It's tuned to yesterday, delivering programs from radio's golden age. I'm your host, Mark LeBonier, and welcome to an hour of drama with a salute to youth from two plays. Later on, Too Young to Understand on Grand Central Station from 1949. But right now, the Columbia Workshop presents the tale Playball from April 19, 1942 on CBS. The Columbia Workshop presents a new radio drama written especially for the workshop by Lou Hazen entitled Playball. no hysteria like this in the story we tell today, for the scene of play ball is as far removed from national box scores, stupendous stadiums, and dollar-ten admission fees as kingdom come. We take you now to that scene, Greentown. Greentown, as American as baked beans. Their factory chimneys point accusingly to the heavens. Their farms sleep in the outskirts. And their movie houses blink in cheap imitation of New York. And churches resound on Sundays to the clinking of nickels in the collection plate. Five days a week, Greentowners get up at six, arrive at work at seven come home at 5.30. They wash, they eat, they dress. And then, as if moved by a common compulsion, make their way to the bleachers behind the high school. This is where Greentown sits to watch its Twilight League play baseball, watch the YMCA Wildcats play box shop buddies. That kind of baseball. Admission's free here in Greentown. Anyone can go. But it's only 6 o'clock now, a half hour before game time. The ball field practically deserted. A player's just climbing out of his car over there, dressed in uniform. And here comes old Jed Franklin to wipe down the foul lines. As for the bleachers, they're still empty, except for a little boy and his dog. Wait a minute now. All right, get ready. This is going to be a good one. There, go get it. Hello there, young fellow. Hello. Bring it back. Atta boy. Open your mouth like a good dog. Open. That's it. <laughs> it's a nice dog. Thanks. Sit down, boy. Down. I know you. Everybody knows you. You're Mr. Fagan. Well, think of that now. Your son plays second base on the woolen mill team. Sure, that's true. And you always sit on this bleacher, don't you? Uh, behind the catcher, me lad. Why do you sit here all the time? Oh, it's the best place, son. I can watch the curves break. I can see for myself if there are strikes or balls and don't have to depend on Hank, that cockeyed empire. Everybody laughs at you, Mr. Fagan, don't they? Uh, what's that? Uh, laugh at me, you say? Well, they do. <laughs> well, I suppose they do. I guess it's because you get so excited about the game. <laughs> yes, I get excited. I know I ought to know better, but I can't help it. <laughs> and you're always telling your boy what to do when he's playing, aren't you? Oh, I, I try to tell him, son, but he, he's never listening. Sure, he's got his ears somewhere else all the time. He's a pretty good player. Uh, he could be better, son. He could be better. Mr. Fagan. Yes, lad? What's cancer? Why do you ask that, lad? My mother's got cancer. Oh. I heard my aunt telling it to Mrs. White. It makes my mother feel bad. She's been feeling bad for three weeks. Oh, that's a shame. What is it, Mr. Fagan? Well, it's a... Oh, sort of a... A, a sickness, lad. A, a sort of sickness. That's my house up there on the hill. See it? It's the only one up there. Yes. Is that uh, green car in front of your house, Dr. Callahan's car? Yep. He comes to my house every day now. Is that so? He was there this morning, but my aunt just called him to come back again. She was crying about something. Oh. She said for me to go out and play in the yard a little while, but I came down here. Uh, what's your name, son? Billy. Billy Pearson. Oh, it's your father that uh, works in the bank on Main Street. Not today. He went to he went to Greenville on business today. Well, Billy, I know your aunt from a long time ago. Effie, her name is, isn't it? Yes, sir. And I know who your mother is. 
I heard she was sick, but I didn't know it was... was... Mr. Fagan, do you think Stringer is going to pitch for the Woolies tonight? Well, uh, that I can't say. I like to see him pitch. He winds up funny. Oh, he's a ball player, lad. There's a man that belongs in the big league. That's not down balls. That's what I'm going to be when I'm big, a pitcher. If Stringer pitches, I'm going to stay here and watch him. Well, don't you think you'd better be going home, son? Not if Stringer plays. Oh, just the same, son. I'll go home if he doesn't pitch. Come on, boy. So long, Mr. Fagan. Oh, Betty. Oh. oh, poor lad. Oh, it's certainly warm, Mr. Fagan, oh. huh? Good evening, Mrs. Cohen. Oh, it's hot. Oh, uh, hot. Shall I help you up the top of the beach? Oh, oh, no, thank you, Mr. Fagan. A lady who scrubs her house and climbs two floors up and down all day shouldn't have no trouble climbing a few stairs like this. Yeah. <sighs> up here, at least there's a little breeze. Well, and that's all you come to the game for. Oh, I admit it. So what's wrong with that, Mr. Fagan? Uh, why don't you pay attention to the to the ball game? <laughs> About baseball, I don't know nothing, Mr. Fagan. I come because it's cool here. <laughs> I walk five minutes and then I sit up here. I like the trees, the crowds. I'm comfortable. I have a good time. <laughs> Why don't you bring that old skinflint of a husband of yours? Louis? He has no time for baseball. He's got to take care of his store now. My Sammy has opened the hot dog stand by the beach. Oh. Oh, uh, say, uh, Mr. Fagan, what's wrong between Mr. Stringer and his wife? Huh? I, I didn't hear nothing. And uh, my husband told me she came to the store this afternoon. Oh, so there's nothing wrong with that. If she kept her eyes open. <laughs> Such a fool you are, Mr. Fagan. <laughs> and Mrs. Stringer bought a bag, a traveling bag to travel in. Oh, that's all right, isn't it? I, I bought a traveling bag myself once. Yeah, but you didn't say something. What are you talking about, Mrs. Cohen? You didn't say like Mrs. Stringer said, that maybe she should have bought it a long time ago. Well... My Louis says you and Mrs. Stringer maybe is going somewhere, a vacation or something, Mrs. Stringer. And Mrs. Stringer, she says, not him, just me. Oh, Man Louis says, a nice little trip by yourself, huh? Could be the kids enjoying with you, Man Louis says. If I go, she says, I'll take the children. And right away, she almost begins to cry right in front of Man Louis. Hey, now I saw Stringer yesterday. He talked about buying baseball suits for his kids. He's crazy about them, both he is. But he didn't say nothing about them or his wife going away. Could it be, Mr. Fagin, maybe he doesn't know about it? Why do you say that? Well, isn't maybe Mr. Stringer tonight playing ball? Yes. Well, after my Louis makes Mr. Stringer a special price, he asks her, would you like me to put your initials, Mrs. Stringer, on the bag? And she says, yeah. And my Louis says, when do you want it? And guess what she said, Mr. Fagin? What? By five o'clock tonight. She says she wants the bag tonight. Uh, uh, hiya, Fagan. Oh, hello, Pete. Hello. I see you brought the whole buzzing plant with you for protection. Yeah, we should have brought an ambulance for the woolly. Oh, <laughs> not if Stringer pitches. Stringer? What do you think he's got, a cast iron arm? He won't pitch. He pitched against the box shop Thursday. Well, even if he doesn't. Don't be a sad, Fagan. What good is the woolies without Stringer? No, no, no. We got a good little team. Yeah, good for what? Good because your boy Johnny plays on it. And what's wrong with my boy Johnny? Oh, nothing. Only he can't play ball. As plain a ball player as any bottle-blown son of a gun you have on your team. Oh! And we, we'll win tonight, we will. Yeah? How much do you want to bet? Well, I'm not a betting man. Oh! I don't ever bet. Yeah, quite one. Betting's against my principles. Yeah, especially when you're stuck. Playing, eh? I'll bet he lets every ball through him on second base. He'll do nothing of the kind. Ah, cheap All right, all right. I, I, I will bet you, by Godfrey. I... Ten bucks? Well, not ten dollars. Five dollars? I haven't got five dollars. Uh, what's the matter? Don't they ever pay you guys at the woolen mill? I've got two dollars here. My wife gave me to buy her medicine. With... I, 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 I'll bet the two dollars on the woolies. There you go. Oh, Mr. You should act your age. No, you keep out of this, Mr. Corn. Well, uh, this is just chicken feed. Yeah, let the lady here hold oh, it. Oh, no, not me, not me. Okay, Oscar, you hold it. Here's my two. Um, here's mine. And kiss it goodbye. Hey. Hello, Fagan. Oh, evening, Tom. Uh, how's your arm? What's left of it is okay. Oh, lad, I was sorry to hear that you got caught in that carding machine. Accidents will happen. Well... <laughs> Got a cigarette? Oh, uh, I don't use him, lad. Hey, hey, one of you fellas, uh, give a man a cigarette. Oh, yeah, here you are. Yes. Thank you. Here you are, Tom. I, I laid it for you. I can light it myself, thanks. Got to learn someday. Who's pitching for us tonight? I don't know yet. Oh, Tom, we lost a good pitcher when we lost you. Yeah, I guess it was all right when I had it, wasn't I? We could have taken the league easy with you this year, Tom. Yeah, we might have. 
All I can say is if Joe Stringer pitches tonight, he's crazy. Good Tom, you don't mean to tell me... Listen, Fagan, when a guy's got an arm, I say treat it right. Or someday you'll wake up and find it ain't good for nothing. Not even a work of carding machine. Uh, excuse me, will you? I want to sit up a bit. Uh, can you get by? Yeah. yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, hi, boys. Wasting your time again, eh, Fagan? Well, it's Mr. Pendler. And how's everything in the shipping room? I wouldn't know. What's that? I said I wouldn't know. I heard what you said, but what do you mean? I'm not in the shipping room anymore. Eh? Since when? This morning. Mr. Stringer will be assistant shipping clerk from now on. Well, what do you know about that? He's got a nice soft job pushing a pencil. It saves him for the baseball game. You ain't fired at you. No. No, they didn't fire me. I'm still around. (laughs) But I'm back where I was five years ago, loading freight cars. Baseball. Look at the fools piling. Oh, you shouldn't have come, Edgar, feeling the way you do. I had a good reason for coming, Mr. Fagan. Something tells me this game is going to mark the end of one Joe Stringer. What are you getting at, Edgar? You can't help hearing things, you know. No, I don't know. Out with it. Uh, what did you hear? About his wife. Oh. You know she never comes to see him play, don't you? Oh, well, maybe she doesn't care much for baseball. Well, if my wife's guess is right, Mrs. Stringer will be here tonight. She, she will? Well, maybe she changed her mind. Mm, don't make me laugh. After the argument our whole street heard yesterday... She'll come to see if Joe Stringer will pitch tonight. And if he does pitch? I'm not saying. And if he don't, what then? Well, he's too dumb to know this, Fagan. And she's too much in love with a guy and his company to realize... Realize what? Well, answer this. Why should the mill hire a ball player and make it easy for him by promoting him to assistant shipping clerk when he won't play ball? What do you mean? Who knows? Maybe I'll have my old job back again tomorrow, eh? Got from up there, fellas. Uh, when you let us by, please. Hey, wait, Mildred. Maybe we ought to sit on the other side, huh? Oh, no. Look, Sidney, I told Russell that we might sit here, and we didn't want him to come and miss us. Hey, are you dames going up and sit down, or aren't you? Are we, Mildred? Well, yeah, I don't want to decide by myself. Don't put it in my lap. You know, Russ might not come. After all, his cousin almost just got here. Oh, Russ wouldn't miss Stringer. Pretty cousin. Yeah, but the paper said they didn't know who was going to pitch tonight. Well, then he'll have to come here to find out, won't he? Uh, look, lady, if you aren't going up, I want to sit on all of me. Uh, Shall we, Gracie? Oh, come on. Let's take a chance. Hey, I wonder if his cousin's good looking. Uh, uh, will you let us by, please? Oh, I got it. Chocolate bar, peanuts, cigarettes, bottle soda, Coca-Cola. You're sure you haven't seen him all? No, Mrs. Stringer. Ask Fagan. He was here before I was. Hello, Mr. Fagan. Oh, hello, Mrs. Stringer. Seen you? No, ma'am, that I haven't. She wasn't home for dinner. Or maybe you had to work overtime. No. Anything wrong, Mrs. Stringer? No, no, nothing's wrong. Think he's going to pitch tonight, Mr. Fagan? Well, I don't know, Mrs. Stringer. They were talking about it at the mill today. Oh, they were. Mr. Fagan, will you do me a favor? Sure, I'd be glad to. If you see him. Yes, ma'am. Tell him. Tell him I meant every word I said last night. That if he pitches this game, I'll be packed and gone before the game's over. Why, why Mr. Be sure, Mr. Fagan. Oh, look, ma'am, I, I can't tell him that. It's the only wise thing to do. I tell you, I can't stand it any longer. He lives, dreams, and eats baseball. I don't count for anything anymore. Look, Mrs. Stringer, it's only that Joe likes baseball. I know Joe likes baseball. That's what everybody says to me. Joe likes baseball. Well, that's all right, Mr. Fagan. But what about me? What about the children? Good, Mom. Joe's devoted to them. He hardly ever thinks of them. I want him to take the kids to the lake at night. Joe's got to play baseball. I want him to drive me to visit my sister in Plainfield. Joe wants to watch the batters on the cutlery team. Joe will know how to and what to pitch them on Thursday. Every spare moment he has, Mr. Fagan, he spends on baseball. Oh, it's just that he loves it so. I'm not a hard woman, Mr. Fagan. I love my husband. If he loves baseball more than he... No, 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 Mrs. Stringer. Oh, what's the use, Mr. Fagan? It's happened only once or twice, but it's happened hundreds of times. Joe and me, we... 
We just don't see things the same way. No, no, don't say that, ma'am. Why, why, Joe wouldn't know what to do without you, ma'am. And the kid, if you talk those, took those two little boys away from him, I... He bought some baseball suits and bats and gloves. Guess he wants them to grow up the way he is. Oh, you talk it over with him, ma'am. No, no, I've tried. Last night it turned into a real argument. Fun for the neighbors. Oh, I... I gave him one more chance, Mr. Fagan, this game. It's not an important game. I told him if he didn't spend his time with me tonight, I'd quit him. What did he say? He laughed the way he always does. He tried to kiss me. Thought I was fooling but I'm not fooling this time, Mr. Fagan. If Joe Stringer plays tonight, I'm... Hey, hey, you kids, no fighting now if you don't want to be hauled in. Oh, he hit me first. Move on, move on now, or I won't let you stay here at all. Hello, Pop. Oh, hello, Johnny. All ready to go? Yeah. Hey, look, Ma washed my sweatshirt. I told her a thousand times I like it dirty, but now she's got to go and wash it. Way up to my elbows now. Oh, it'll stretch, son. No, listen to me. Don't forget to give him the signals, Fagin. Oh, hi, Frank. Watch that guy Turner tonight. He starts too slow and never takes a full swing. If he hits the ball by accident, it'll go between first base and second. So when he gets up, now you move over near first base, you hear? Okay. And Bob. hit him hard yourself, boy. Hit him hard. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, oh, Johnny. Yeah. Is Stringer going to pitch tonight? Well, I don't know, Pop. I haven't seen a manager. I haven't seen Stringer yet, either. Uh, if you see him, Johnny... Yeah? Uh, tell him your dad said that his wife... Uh, yeah? Uh, uh, j- uh, just say your dad wants a word with him before the game. It- it's important. Well, what about his wife? Uh, nothing. Uh, and play like the difference. B- because I bet the two dollars your mother gave me to buy her tonic. Uh, uh, she'd, uh, she'd throw a fit if I, if, I, if I come home without it. Gee, what'd you do that uh, for? Oh, no. Okay. I beg your pardon. Uh, no, 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 thank you. I don't want you to get up. I, I want to know if you've seen a boy. A little boy with a... What? Tim Fagan. Effie. Oh, I, I'm sorry to hear about your trouble, Effie. Oh, thank you, Tim. I, I've got to find him. I've got to. Is it the youngster Billy you're looking for? Yes. His mother hasn't many minutes left, Tim. She wants to see him before she goes. Oh, Lord have mercy on us all. Uh, don't you worry, Effie. We'll find him. But you won't know him. Oh, I, I will that. I spoke to him a while ago. Now, if it's like you say, we've got to hurry. You go that way to the end of the bleachers beyond first base. I'll go this way and cover the bleachers to third base. Then I'll cross over and meet you. Now, hurry. Hurry along now. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, hello, boys. Can we get through? Oh, sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Nice evening, boys. We can get up here, honey. Well, it looks awfully crowded, Jim. I don't know why you won't go to a movie instead. All right, I'll tell you why, honey. I don't have the money. Yeah. Now, why didn't you tell me that sooner? I have enough for both of us, silly. Uh-uh. If I can't afford to take you, we won't go. Don't look so disappointed, honey. I'm sorry. You'll really enjoy this at Stringer Place. All right, darling. I might as well see this Stringer. You've talked so much about him. Maybe this will Shins and Springer's in there. Is he gonna pitch? Well, he's crazy enough to. That guy crabs about every ball I call on him. Oh, why'd you call him right? I always do. He's just a sore head, that's all. Ah, look, look, I'm asking you. Will you quit nagging, Millie? I can't help us if we gotta hit these tank towns. Oh. I got my orders to sign this guy Stringer sure this time. If he looks as good as the last time I did. All him. right, all right, but I'm getting tired of this life of being wife to a baseball scout. Now, look, why don't you no. quit this business and get into some other oh, terrible... right. Cigarette, bottle soda, Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> What's two bucks to me? Old man Fagan would have a hemorrhage, though, if he lost it. I bet you his wife wouldn't speak to him for a week. <laughs> she was here. She was talking with Mr. Fagan. She looked like she was up to something, too. I said to my Louie, why didn't you tell her to be smart and brave? Who knows? Maybe... <laughs> 
Yeah, Fagin's kid goes to college. Works at the mill summers. Old man Fagin wants to see him take the league because they pay off those players with a 75-buck bonus when they do. The kid gets a soft job, too. My arm was sore from pitching twice that week and leaving a pitcher the night before. Well, I reached under the needles on the card machine to get a piece of wool that didn't belong there. And the first thing I knew, my arm went dead on me. Janet said this stringer fellow looks like Gary Cooper. No hope there, Agnes. He's married. And I hear he's just crazy about his wife. I used to be a waitress. I can still be a waitress. Mr. Tanner told me I could always have a job at his place. If Joe plays tonight, I'll just take the kids and I'll go with Yeah, this recreation business has been a great boat getter for the party. And I figure that every time I show up here is good for 25 votes. Well, what makes you look so much prettier tonight? Maybe we should have stayed here. Oh, dear. Pop, I hate to play ball in a clean sweatshirt. Come on, behind the ropes there, everybody. Hey, you kids, get out of here now. Come on now. Come on now. I'm telling you, Millie, I think this stringer guy's got everything. Is he married? Is he married? Gosh, I didn't think of that. I hope so. Wife keeps a ball player at it, Millie. They don't get so darn independent when they got a wife to support. If Stringer's not married, I'll be... Tim, Tim, did you find him? Another, another sign of money, where is he? Oh, he must be hiding. I'm sure he saw me. He just wants to watch the game. What am I going to do, Tim? I can't face her without him. Oh, wait. Uh, she's got one more chance, Effie. What is it? When I asked the lad if he shouldn't go home, he told me he would go home if... Yes, Tim? If Joe Stringer didn't pitch. Uh, there goes the umpire on the field now. Oh, Listen. Tim. I've just heard the Columbia Workshop presentation of Play Ball by Lou Hasson. In the cast were John Connery, Joan Allison, Michael Artis, Adelaide Klein, Ed Mayhoff, Chester Stratton, Ed Latimer, Bobby Reddick, George Tiplady, Marjorie Quayle, Gertrude Warner, G. Swain Gordon, and John Gibson. Next week, the Columbia Workshop will present Looking for Susie by Carol Warner and Fifi Garba. The Columbia Workshop, on Tuned to Yesterday from the 19th of April, 1942, from CBS. You are listening to an hour of drama on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Levonier. Now time for Grand Central Station, one of the few remaining broadcasts from this long-running series on NBC and CBS, with Sarah Fussell playing the part of a young boy in this episode called Too Young to Understand, from September 18th, 1948, on CBS. From New York, Pillsbury Snow Sheen Cake Flour today presents a surprise star in Grand Central Station. Shining rails in every part of our great country are aimed at Grand Central Station, part of the nation's greatest city. Drawn by the magnetic force of the fantastic metropolis, day and night great trains rush toward the Hudson River.
sweep down its eastern bank for 140 miles. Flash briefly by the long red row of tenement houses south of 125th Street. Dive with a roar into the two and one half mile tunnel which burrows beneath the river and swank of Park Avenue. And then. Grand Central Station. Crossroads of a million private lives. Gigantic stage on which are played a thousand dramas daily. <laughs> This is the tender, heartwarming story of Willie Madison, the boy they always said was too young to understand. But Willie will surprise you, proving how little we really know of what goes on in the mind of a child. And now, since this is Willie's story, here he is to tell it. Hello, I'm Willie. Our place is the first one on the left there for you across the railroad track. The white one with the red barn. I guess you'd think our house is kind of small, but so's our family. Just Pop, Mom, Joey, and me. Joey is older, but I'm going on 13. Well, you'd never know it from the way they treat me. Always acting like I was just a baby. For instance, I come into the parlor where Mom and Pop are talking, and as soon as they see me, they quit. And Mom says, run along, Willie. Your father and I are discussing something. Oh, that's all right. I like to hear you when you're... Do as you're told, son. You wouldn't understand anyway. You're too young. Huh, too young. I understood a whole lot more than they thought. I knew the winter had been bad for us. First, it was the two heifers dying. That only left my own Jersey heifer, the one I was raising for the 4-H prize. Then half of Mom's laying hens died from the roof. On top of that, two haystacks in the feedlot burned up the night of that lightning storm. Well, I can tell you I was pretty worried. So I was sure glad that day when I heard Pop say... Well, Annie, I finally heard a robin this morning. You did? Then winter's over, I guess. Yeah, I sure hope it means our hard luck's over, too. If what feed we've got will last till grass comes, maybe we can get by. I just can't ask for any more credit at the store. Well, we've got the strawberries, Jim. They'll be coming in in May and June. I'm counting on the berries bringing in four or five hundred dollars, but we're going to need four hundred and fifty on July 1st to pay on the tractor and the power saw. Oh, I was hoping we could get Joe a new suit for the high school graduation. He just can't stand up on that platform in his shiny old serge with the sleeves halfway up to his elbows. And what will he wear to Eve Fortney's party? All the rest of his class are probably going to be dressed up in new clothes. Gosh, I felt terrible about Joe. And next day at school, I got bawled out plenty on account of I wasn't paying attention. I just couldn't keep my mind on anything except trying to think of some way to help him. When I got home from school, Mom was upstairs cleaning, and Pop wasn't around, probably over in the south pasture. Well, I got out the Sears Roebuck catalog, and on page 142, there was a picture of a swell-looking suit. 100% all-wool fraternity prep student suit. Snappy diagonal weave with subdued overplaid, trousers with pleats shipping weight 3 pounds 12 ounces, Number 060D2707, medium blue, 2150. Gee, with a post, that'd be nearer $22. Gosh, where could I ever get that much before June 1st? Uh-oh, Mom's coming downstairs. I know it'll make her feel bad to catch me looking at the suits in the catalog. So I sneak out on the side porch and start whittling a stick for a bean shooter. That you, Jim? Yes, Annie. Come here. I I want to show you something. Oh, Marcy, I forgot and left the catalog on the table. What's the matter, Annie? What's wrong? Look, Jim, I I found the Sears Roebuck catalog open just like it is. Mm. Joe must have been looking at this suit here. Yeah. Nice one, all right. One pants suit, twenty-one fifty. Two pants suit, twenty-six ninety-five. Mm. Well, I sure wish we could get it for him, but even that twenty-one fifty might as well be a thousand dollars. Oh, there, there must be some way. Joe's a good boy. I, 
I'm going to pray for that suit, Jim. to raise a family on very little money. As far as feeding them, I can tell you how you can make something awful good and don't cost much. How do you think that family of yours would go for a great big cake dripping with icing, huh? that night, and Mom and Pop came up to bed about 10.30. I was still awake thinking. Next day was Saturday. No school. So I was figuring how I'd try to get some work over at Fort Nisi Farm. I heard the clock strike one, and I was just about dozing off when a car come into our lane. It sounded like Joe talking to someone. So I got out of bed and went over to the window. Gee, Eddie, you know I'd like to get in on it. I sure need dough bad, but... No buts about it. It's a cinch. Can't miss. Fred and I can raise 30 or 40 bucks between us. So if you can dig up 15 or 20, we'll be all set. Gee, 20 bucks. Well, I don't know. You say it's a sure thing, Eddie? I tell you, that dough is already burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> and we ain't even got it yet. Of course, we have to let that smart aleck win it first. That's what the 60 bucks is for. But Fred's a demon at switching. He must have been born with dice in his hands. And we cut you in for a third of everything we make. Gee, I don't know, Eddie. It sounds all right, but... Well, I'll see what I can do. See, it's school Monday, Joe. Don't forget the 20 bucks. I'll remember. So long, Eddie. So long. I just got back to bed in time. Joe came in and started to undress in the dark. He spoke Hi. to me. You awake? But I let on like I was sound asleep. Why, yes, Willie. With help as scarce as it is this spring, I'm sure I can use you. Gee, that's fine, Mr. Forney. I'm glad. How would you like to start right here in the barn? Yes, sir. Anything you say. I'm going to try raising broilers in the air. That new battery system. Oh. So what I want you to do first is sweep the floor very clean, then wipe down the walls and spray them with whitewash. Think you can do that? Yes, sir. Sure, Mr. Fortney. Being Saturday, I'll work all day today, but uh, could I come after school on weekdays, too? Glad to have you. Now, I pay 50 cents an hour. Daddy, you want it on the telephone. Oh, all right, Eve. I'll, I'll be right back. Uh, Willie, uh, I'll help you get started. <laughs> been all day. I've been working for Mr. Fortney. Look, here's four bucks. But that's wonderful, son. Now you can get yourself a pair of shoes right away. Even the others But, Mom, the... I'm going to work at Fortney's every day after school, too. Oh. So I'll have plenty for shoes later on. Um, I, uh, I thought maybe there might be something special this money could go towards, couldn't it? Bless you, son. There is something special and God will bless you for the thought. Should I put the money in the old coffee can, Mom? Yes, dear. Then after supper, I want you to take that set in the turkey eggs over to the Metcalf. What? You collect two dollars for them. You're going to sell the turkey eggs? Mm-hmm. Then we won't have no turkey for Thanksgiving. That's so. But maybe the two dollars will help us get something we'll be more thankful for than turkey. Sure. I like chicken better anyway. <laughs> and you know what? I can work three hours after school every day for Mr. Fortney and all day Saturday. My. That'll mean that, see, now, three hours times five days is 15 hours, and eight hours Saturday is 23 times 50 cents. Well, gee, that'll be 11.50 by next Saturday night. Oh, won't that be wonderful? 11.50, and this four I got is 15.50, plus this two bucks for the eggs. Mm -hmm. but, gee, Mom, then we only need... Oh, gee... What were you going to say, Willie? Only need what? Well, well, I was just 
thinking how fast it saves up. You know, if we all, well... Yes, son. I know what you mean. When families work for one another like we're doing, God works with them and... and... Mom, you're crying. It's nothing, Willie, dear. You wouldn't understand. Fortney sure is a nice man. When Saturday came around, Eve wanted me to go to the village to get some things. So Mr. Fortney paid me for the whole day, and he let me quit at noon. Eleven and a half dollars more I had for the old coffee can. Willie, here's a list of things I wish you'd get. You'll find them all at the hub, so just charge them to our account. Sure, Eve. And you can take the Jeep if you promise to be careful. Oh, gee, thanks. Uh Oh, could I drive home first before I go to the bus? Of course, there's no hurry. Thanks again, Eve. It won't take long. I just want to give Mom something. Okay, Willie. You're a good kid. Now, don't drive too fast. When I got home, Mom was down feeding her May chicks. So I went out to the kitchen and took down the old coffee can. And I dumped out all the money and added my eleven fifty to it. Let's see, four, five, six, ten, fifteen, seventeen, seventeen fifty. Only about four and a quarter more will be enough to cover the parcel post and everything for Joe's suit. So I put the money back and was just putting the can back up on the shelf when Joe came in. Hey, Willie, what are you doing? Just putting away the money I made. Money? Shh, the secret. I think you're in for a swell surprise. Huh? New suit. Oh. Mom's saving up for it. Oh, so Mom's saving up for something for me, huh? Uh-huh. Well, where are you going with the Fortney's Jeep? Into town to get some things for you. Want to come along? Yeah, I was going in later anyway, so I might as well go with you. Go on out and get her started. I'll be right with you. Okay, but make it snappy. Take very long, Willie. Let's go. What are you going into town for, Joe? Oh, nothing special. I got a date with Eddie. That's all. After I dropped Joe off, I got the things for Eve and started for the Fortney's. But something kept running through my head. Joe was meeting Eddie. And I kept thinking of what I heard him say the night Joe got home so late. It's a cinch, Joe. Can't miss. Fred and I can raise 30 or 40 bucks between us. So if you could dig up 15 or 20, we'd be all set. Something told me to go home first before I delivered the things to Eve. And I got there and took the can off the shelf. I didn't even have to open it to know that it was empty. like Joe's starting off making a big mistake. Next morning, I didn't wait till the sun came streaming in the window. The birds were singing. I could see a few little white clouds floating along, pink and gold on the bottom, and white on top, like... And all of a sudden, I remember. The sunshine and the clouds and the birds all went bluey. Joe wasn't in bed, and his pillow hadn't been slept on. I got up and sneaked downstairs, because Mom and Pop always sleep late on Sundays. I was going to get myself some breakfast. My eyes lit on a coffee can on the shelf, and... I lost my appetite. I went out and fed the chickens and milk. Then I turned the horse and the cows out into the pasture. I always brushed my jersey heifer every morning so her hide would be in good shape when it come time to show her for the 4-H prize. Oh, this morning, I just didn't have a heart to do it. All I could think of was Joe and the coffee can and how poor Mom was going to feel when she found out. Oh, 
wish there were only some way I could keep it from... Hey, hey, the, the heifer, that's it. I just know Mr. Fortney will buy her for $17.50. That's you, Willie? Yeah, Mom. My goodness, you must have got up with the sun this morning. Done all your chores? Had your breakfast? I wasn't hungry when I got up, Pop, but I did the chores, and I'm sure hungry now. Well, set right down, and I'll dish up some eggs and fried mush. Better call Joe down first, Willie. Joe? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you, you see, uh, Joe didn't come home last night. What? Joe didn't come home? No, he, uh, I forgot to tell you. He, um, he, he asked me to tell you he was going to spend the night with uh, Eddie. Well, how did you happen to forget, Willie? I told you and told you to tie a string around Now, now, Jim. Joe should have said something about it to me himself. Now, here's your eggs, Willie. Oh, thanks, Mom. I don't favor his being with that Eddie. Oh. That boy's got a bad streak in him. Sure as skunks hate green apples. Well, we don't have to worry about our Joe. He's a good boy. Yes. Yes, he is. God bless him. I'm so glad we're going to be able to get him up. <coughs> uh, uh, Willie. Yes, Mom? I washed and pressed your brown slack. You better put him on for church this morning. My friends, for the text of today's sermon, I have taken verse 15 of the 91st Psalm. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Friends, think of the tremendous import of that verse. It's solace and comfort. It makes to you a promise by the one omnipotent power which does not fail, will not fail. All the way home from church, I kept thinking of that son. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Gosh, God said that. Well, there was trouble, sure enough. So I made up my mind I was going to try what the minister said. I just had to get the money back in the coffee can before Mom looked there for us. So when I got to the barn, I climbed up into the hayloft where nobody could see me. Then I kneeled down. Dear God, the minister said you'd answer, that you'd be with me in trouble. Please, please keep Joe safe and help me to get him out of his trouble. I'll never ask you for anything else. So help me. Amen. Why, Willie. Hello, Eve. What are you doing over here on Sunday and with that heifer? I came to see your father. Well, he's in the rock garden down by the spring house. Thanks, Eve. Come on, Bessie. Hey, wait, Willie. Did you hear about Eddie? Eddie? No. What happened to him? Well, he and some fellow named Fred were arrested last night. Arrested? For, for what? They were caught gambling and with crooked dice. Eddie and just the two of them? That's what Constable Lovton told Daddy. Imagine cheating with crooked dice. I got away from Eve as quick as I could. I didn't want her to see how worried I was. Oh, at least Joe wasn't arrested. But where was he? Maybe, maybe he'd run away. Maybe... No. I asked God to help me. And the minister says he always does. Just then, as we came round the bend in the road by the rock garden... Bessie. Bessie let out a big moo. Mr. Fortney looked up surprised. Why, hello there. Hello, Mr. Fortney. Can I talk to you, please? I came over to... See you about something. And you brought along your prize heifer, eh? Say. Bessie. She's a beauty. I've seen most of the other entries around here, and you ought to win hands down, Willie. Yes, sir, but I... Well, I, I brought her over hoping you might buy her. Me? Buy her? Yes, sir. I'll sell her for $21.77. <laughs> well, that certainly is an odd price. In a bargain for that heifer. But you know, I'm getting out of the dairy business, Willie. I'm getting rid of stock, not buying it. Uh, I, 
Just a minute, Willie. Uh, sit down. We'll talk this over. Oh, thanks. I know the work and the care you put in on this animal and how much you want to win that $500 prize. Yes, sir, I sure did. Did? That's the past tense, ain't it? Uh, why, what's the trouble, Willie? It, it's awful trouble. That's why I just got to have $21.77 right away or... Well, at least seventeen fifty. Hmm. Yeah, you want to tell me about it? Uh-huh. Last winter was also bad for us. Mom and Pop, well, they wouldn't say anything, but things were worse for us than anybody around here knows about. Oh, that's how it is, Mr. Fortin. The t- 27 cents is for parcel post. And the suit is $21 and a half, and when Mom finds out... Uh, Willie, uh, tell you what I'll do. I'm going into partnership with you on this heifer. Huh? I'll give you $25 right now for, uh, for a 5% interest in the prize money. How's that? Uh, you will, Mr. Fortney? And you mean I can keep the heifer? Uh-huh. That's the deal. Huh? Now, here... Here's your $25. Wait. Thank you. Now run home and get it into that coffee can quick so your mother never knows. Oh, boy. Bessie and me walked on air all the way home. The minister was right. God does answer. I felt like I ought to go right back up there in the hayloft and thank him. So since I put the heifer in her stall, I climbed up into the hayloft. That you, Willie? Joe, where you been? Well, I've been up here all night. I heard you praying for me before, kid, but it won't do any good. I'm in a peck of oh, trouble. No. I'm running away as soon as it starts. Oh, no, Joe, you don't have to know. You ain't in trouble anymore. Yes, I am, Willie. They arrested Eddie and Fred. Oh. I wasn't in the game. I just gave Eddie the money. Oh. I was going to put it right back in the coffee can with some of the winnings. But it's gone now. Oh. I just can't face Mom and yes, Pop. Yes, yes, you can, Joe. You can. God answered the prayer. He took care of you. Look, 25 bucks. $25? It's going right into the old coffee can before Mom finds out. Well, Mom knows already. Oh, you sure? Yes. I saw her from the hayloft door. I-, I peeked out and she was sitting by the kitchen window with the can in her lap. Crying. Oh, gee. Oh, poor Ma. She was saving that money to get you a suit from Sears Robux. Wait. Wait, I got an idea. Come on, Joe. We're going to the house. Hiya, Mom. I just ran into Joe. Joey. Oh, we've been so worried about you. Oh, I'm okay, Mom. Oh, you must be hungry. You go wash up, and by the time you're back downstairs, I'll have something warmed up for you. Oh, swell, Mom. I'm starved. Hey, Mom. Huh? I got another seven fifty for some work I'm going to do. Oh. So I took the money out of the can, and Mr. Fortney changed it all to paper money for me. Here. $25 even. Oh, Willie. Willie, then, then Joe didn't. Oh, thank God. Gee, Mom, what are you crying for now? Oh, God bless you, son. It, it, it's something that you wouldn't understand. I know you're all anxious to learn the names of the Broadway players presented by Pillsbury in today's Grand Central Station drama. I'll give you the complete cast in just a moment. Well, our story goes to show that sometimes faith really does move mountains. 
You know, I hope this weekend you'll get around to using Pillsbury snow sheen cake flour. Bake the family a nice big cake. It won't take long with snow sheen. Snow sheen cakes are quick to mix, they're quick to make, and they're quick to get compliments. You'll probably go shopping this afternoon, so just jot down Pillsbury snow sheen cake flour on that uh, things I must buy list. And until next week, whenever you hear a train whistle, don't forget Pillsbury and Grand Central Station. And now our cast. Today's Grand Central Station drama, Too Young to Understand, was written by Harold Park Godwin. And in the leading role of the young boy, Willie, was our surprise star, Sarah Fussell, a talented young lady who plays little boys more realistically than they can themselves. Mom was played by Charmay Allen, Pop by Will Gear, Mrs. Fortney by Howard Smith, Eve by Bessa Leslie, Joe by Jackie Ayers, and Eddie by Kenneth Ford. We leave Pillsbury's Grand Central Station until next week at this same time. Listen for the train whistle and hear the remarkable story of Myron Sully, betrayed when he let someone else think for him, doomed when he started to think for himself. Our star is your favorite and ours, Mason Adams of Stage and Radio. You'll also hear players from Mark Connolly's new play, A Story for Strangers, and from gentlemen from Athens and others. So join us next week and every week for a new play with a completely new top-flight cast from the Broadway theaters. Until then, this is Ken Roberts, your Grand Central Station narrator, saying goodbye and better baking for Pillsbury, greatest name in flour. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Grand Central Station, on tuned to yesterday from September 18, 1948, on CBS. And the curtain comes down on this hour of drama, on tuned to yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Yesteryear. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark LeBonier. Thanks for tuning in.